Welcome to Charter Central, a podcast for leaders in education brought to you by Central Michigan University, the Center for Charter Schools, a leader in educational choice and quality. My name is Orlando Castellan, and I'm here with my colleague, Janelle Brzezinski. Uh, welcome, Janelle. Hi, Orlando. Great to be here with you. Um, we did take a, a short break from the Charter Central podcast this spring, as um, everyone, certainly their focus being on navigating the, the COVID-19 pandemic um, that we're all working through right now and, and learning a new way to do things. So in that light, we've moved our podcast recording um, from being with our guests in person to being recorded virtually. Um, so we appreciate everybody's patience as this is our first episode back in this virtual setting um, and just learning through all the, all the technical aspects. So we really appreciate that. Um, and we appreciate you listening. So um, our podcast is always available on our website at the center for charters.org. Um, we're also available on multiple different podcast platforms, including Stitcher and Apple Podcasts. So make sure and subscribe so that you get all of our future episodes as well. And for this episode, we're really excited to be having a conversation with the MAPSA winner of the year uh, for the Charter School Teacher of the Year and the uh, Michigan Charter School Administrator of the Year. And so stick around and uh, join us for that conversation uh, that'll be coming up shortly. Welcome to Charter Central, a podcast for education leaders. So we're here with our guests today, and we're really excited to have winners of the Michigan Charter School Teacher of the Year Award and the Michigan Charter School Administrator of the Year Award with us. Um, just for our listeners, MAPSA is the entity that uh, awards these uh, to teachers and administrators, and MAPSA is a state association and recognizes educators every year with these prestigious honors. In the history of the providing these awards, this is the first time that both award winners were partners at uh, CMU Partner Schools. And so we're really proud of um, Jennifer and Jeremy uh, and the um, recognition that they've received for all the hard work that they put in. And so we'd like to welcome Jennifer Malero, a kindergarten teacher at Holly Academy, and Jeremy Brown, the school leader at Woodland Park Academy. Welcome to you both. Thank you so much. Thanks, Orlando. So um, as, as our proud partner schools, we're excited to have you guys here with us today. Um, would love to hear from both of you about what got you motivated uh, to head down the path of uh, serving kids in the area of education. Well, for me, my grandparents, so my grandmother, was one of the first um, teachers to graduate from Northern Normal at that time, uh, Northern Michigan University. So she was kind of a pioneer back many, many years ago um, as a teacher. 
And also, both of my parents were teachers. So my father was a high school teacher and my mom was an elementary school teacher. So I kind of grew up in the halls of um, going and putting up bulletin boards and helping to clean out classrooms and things like that. So, and I was the type of kid that rather than going out and doing things necessarily, I kind of babysat for the coaches' kids that I knew. So I was always involved with children. I always knew I wanted to do something with children. And so so that's what led me down the path. Initially, I hadn't decided if I was going to go into nursing or I was going to go into education. But if I was going to go into nursing, I always knew it was going to be in the, the pediatric field. But after getting into that, it just, my heart just led me into the field of education. And I've been doing that in the realm of early childhood for the past almost 30 years, which is kind of mind blowing to say that it's gone this fast, but um, it certainly has. Thank you, Jennifer. Jeremy? What so, motivated you in, uh, to get into education? Yeah, so my story is uh, kind of the polar opposite of Jen's. Um, I, it, all throughout school, kindergarten through 12th grade, I struggled. Um, I was never really good at playing the game of school, I guess. Uh, I didn't follow rules real well. I didn't have a good attention span. Um, and in fifth grade, I had a teacher that worked really hard to develop a connection with me. And I learned through that connection that uh, school became a little bit easier. And it was easier for me not to spend time in the principal's office when I wanted to be in class with the person who had developed the connection with me. So I decided really early on that uh, I wanted to go into education to help sort of reach that group of students that school never really worked for and um, decided that uh, probably after fifth grade, I uh, would like to say that that changed my trajectory in sixth grade. It did not. Um, I still needed that connection somewhere and uh, kind of starved for it throughout the remainder of my education. Barely graduated high school um, and ultimately went on to uh, fill in some of the holes that I had dug through K-12 education at the community college level and then graduated Eastern Michigan University with a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, working through ed specialist stuff. And uh, yeah, ultimately it was the, the connection piece that, uh, that kept me interested in school and ultimately sort of changed the trajectory of my, my life. So it was good stuff. And as educators, certainly your role is, is to be the teacher, but we all know the students that you work with, um, definitely teach you things as well. Um, can you share with us a few things that um, over your years in education that you've really um, gathered and learned from your students? For me, it's that the kids are so accepting. And as adults, it's really hard sometimes for us to be vulnerable, for us to make mistakes, and for us to admit that we're not good at everything. And so for our class, uh, I really try to promote a classroom family. And so they know I'd make as many mistakes or if not more than they do. And I have no problem with them telling me that I'm wrong. And sometimes I'll even joke and say, you can't tell a teacher they're wrong. And they say, yes, you can. Um, just simply because, and it's all in about how it's put. Um, and Jeremy's absolutely right. Those relationships are absolutely key. So if you don't have that strong um, foundation of a relationship from the very beginning, your kids aren't going to want to take the, the risks. I don't believe that there's sometimes they're going to outperform what they're expected to perform because 
um, they don't believe in themselves as much as they should. So the kids really have taught me that I need to believe in myself, that it's okay to try new things. It's okay to be, to not be perfect all the time. In our classroom, we say practice makes better because quite honestly, even after all these years, I'm still practicing the, the, um, field of education and what we can bring to each other. Um, the kids, I've really found too that I might come up with something and they have they go off in a tangent that I would have never thought of and it's even better than I had ever hoped for. So really I love more the process than the product in all kinds of matters because um, it's so unexpected. I've, uh, I've, I've witnessed that in action, Jen, having seen your classroom many times uh, and you are certainly a master of developing the community and uh, building those relationships for where vulnerability can be accepted, where, where it's okay to put yourself out there. And those moments where somebody becomes vulnerable and they allow themselves to be um, receiving growth, it, that's where it's, where, where it's at. That, those are the light bulb moments that we all strive for. And uh, I have tons and tons of respect for you, Jim Malero, in, in your ability to do that. Um, something I've learned from students is, you know, perseverance and uh, the ability to overcome obstacles. So I think back over, over my career and I've had some pretty interesting moments where uh, kids that I've had, that I might've had 10 years ago, reach out to me through whatever social media channel they happen to be using. And they say, oh my goodness, Mr. Brown, I remember when. And it, it was that, it was a moment for them that was historic. It was a moment that, that they can recall very clearly. Um, and they articulate it with such gratitude. And for me, that moment wasn't, it was fleeting. It wasn't something that I felt like, oh my gosh, this is profound. 10 years from now, this kid's going to reach out to me and say, you know, you changed my course in, in that moment. And that's taught me, you know, that the kids are, they will persevere, they will overcome. Um, and that you, you really have to pour into the connections that you have. Because every single time I've gotten that, that correspondence from a child whose trajectory was changed in their perspective based on something that I may have done, it was fleeting for me. I, I, didn't, I didn't realize what, it, what that relationship had become and what it was capable of. Um, so, you know, don't ever assume that, uh, that the relationship that you're building with a child is not powerful because, like I said, in my experience, those are the ones that have a tendency to kind of come back and, and surprise you just a little bit. And then additionally, you know, I've learned quite a bit in my role at Woodland Park Academy in working with uh, extremely diverse population uh, from Flint and immediate surrounding areas. I've learned where my biases are and, and how to recognize those and to um, acknowledge how that has shaped my perspective. And then with that, there's a tremendous amount of power because if I know where they're at, I can combat them before they become an issue. Um, I can recognize them in other staff members or um, in, in conversations that are happening. And a lot of times that comes from 
students and the way that they hear what I'm saying or the perspective that I'm sharing. So um, there's a ton of power in that as well. I was, um, as I was listening, I heard both of you guys talk about the power of relationships and, and how that's a, a centerpiece of how you guys approach your work. And I have to imagine, and, and one of the things that I was struck by was the number of years, collective years you guys have in education. Uh, Jeremy, how many years do you have now? Uh, 19. 19 years in education. And Jennifer, uh, how many years did you have in education currently? 28. 28 years. So that uh, I have to imagine that you, you continue to build those skills over time. Uh, thinking back to when you were first starting, when your first year in education, um, and thinking about our current 2020 college graduates that are coming out, what message might you have for them? Uh, what message might you have for a teacher that's just beginning in education? Well, quite honestly, my niece, uh, Gabrielle, is doing her student teaching in the fall, and so we've had a lot of conversations about this, about um, what she's going to face as far as what the school year looks like in Michigan in the fall, um, how she would do things virtually if, if need be as a student teacher or as, as a teacher. Um, also about the, again, building the power of relationships and not second-guessing yourself, and also the need for structure and the need for the students to feel safe. So I really believe that there are, there are many, many teachers that are just natural teachers. And so when you can bring out that the gift, and quite honestly, um, I remember the day that Jeremy came around to Holly Academy and I got to meet him. And as far as like, um, working together and building relationships. Jeremy is exactly what he is talking about. He is the type of person that um, others should look to and be an example of because those are the kind of educators that we need in the field. Now more than ever, um, and I think maybe this, the mindset has shifted a little bit from parents because a lot of times I would get from parents, well, they can do this at home or at school or they can do it at home and I don't know why. And so parents really kind of now have become our partners and they've realized um, what kind of we've been up against or, you know, things that we're trying to accomplish within the classroom. And so I just think that the more that um, students coming out of college can have an open mind, um, can be very creative and be very flexible. Um, that's another thing that that's kind of the name of the game right now, because it's not like you're going to graduate and you're going to have, you know, your traditional classroom that you walk in and, and there's going to be unlimited budget and things like that. So you just have to do a lot with what you're given and just be super creative and flexible, but relationships don't cost money. And that's the best thing. Um, they're free, but they're long lasting and they're priceless. Great point, Jen. Um, I too remember the moment that we met uh, 19 years ago, in fact. Um, and in, in thinking about uh, advice that I would give to a new teacher, the one thing that really jumps out to me is connect. Connect with as many people as you possibly can. So when Jen and I were working together at Holly Academy, I was a fourth grade teacher, she's a kindergarten teacher. We taught in two entirely separate buildings, separated by 400 yards of a courtyard. And it didn't matter what the weather was doing, we visited one another. It didn't matter whether or not we had students, we visited one another. There was literally nothing that overlapped 
with the exception of we shared a profession, we shared a, prof a passion, and we worked in the same, at the same institution, not even in the same building. So there was a connection there, and through that connection, we were able to support one another. And as a result of the support that we provided to one another, our students had a better experience. I know for a fact I grew as an educator from Jen Malero. So I would say connect with as many people as possible. Don't get caught in that uh, mindset that there's always something to do. That's education. There's always something to do. Your list continues to grow. You have to seek out people. The type of people that get into education are extroverts. <laughs> they like people. And if they try to do this profession in isolation, they're going to experience extreme frustration. Get out and talk to people and connect with them and learn things from whatever colleagues you can. Uh, the people that I would put on that list of individuals to connect with, um, any colleagues that you're teaching with, other teachers, always connect with office staff. Treat them really well. Bring them gifts. They, they usually like that. Those are people you want on your side. Custodians, same thing. You need those people on your team. So get out and connect with them on a human level, not on a level where it feels motivated by something else. I mean, clearly, you know, there's nothing wrong with bringing people treats, but connect with them. Get to know them. Get to know their families, who they are as moms, dads, aunts, uncles, what they like to do. Just connect with people. There's always going to be something to do, but those connections mean everything. And then if you can take that beyond the walls of your building and really strive to connect with the families that you serve, because ultimately they've chosen your institution and you need to be a reason that they continue to choose that institution. Um, and if you have teammates in the people that your children go home to, education becomes that much easier. It's it's a little bit easier to overcome uh, some of the obstacles that it will present. Well, and you both certainly bring up um, that you're, you're former colleagues in past years. Um, and I, I feel like that makes this even more special that you two get to celebrate this accomplishment together, um, knowing that, that you've learned so much from each other over the years. So, um, so this year being the, the Charter School Administrator of the Year and the Charter School Teacher of the Year um, for the state of Michigan, um, certainly a, a big thank you to MAPSA for all the work that they do in recognizing our educators across the state. Um, and we, we appreciate their partnership and recognition of all the great work everybody does. Um, can you share a little bit about, given that um, we're certainly in the midst of a pandemic here, um, it made the celebrations look a little different this year. Um, you were both informed, um, normally would be a surprise in-person school assembly historically. Um, you had some surprise Zoom meetings. So if you want to take a minute and share with us just because of the uniqueness of that, of you know, what your thoughts were um, expecting to, I'm assuming going into a staff meeting um, to find out that, that you won this award. So I, will, uh, I would love to jump in on this one first, Jen, um, because I, I feel like, I mean, we had a, a similar experience. I knew about Jen's award before Jen knew, and Jen knew about my award before I knew. I was at Jen's Zoom meeting watching things unfold. I was there bawling when they announced that she was the winner because I was so overjoyed for her and my family was sitting behind me. Jen taught three of my four children kindergarten. 
we've been longtime colleagues and to have that experience, even in the midst of a school closure and something that was, you know, had this, it felt like just a cloud that just kept circling that, that moment of joy, knowing that she had been recognized. Oh my goodness. It was so powerful. And uh, seeing the look on her face when she got in that meeting and there was a whole lot of other people in there that didn't belong at a staff meeting um, was a, uh, was a powerful, powerful experience. It was, it was fun to, to watch that happen for Jen. Well, and I received the call that Jeremy had won and I, the same thing. I was so excited because um, I follow and sometimes I joke and say I'm Jeremy Stalker because even though we are at different schools now, I continually um, read his um, email or his newsletters. I watch his videos that he puts, uh, the updates to his families, um, different things like that. And I usually comment on them just because it's very, you know, it inspires me too to to what I can do for our school as well. And it's great that we're like partner schools with Central and things like that. So I was super excited for him. And so, and quite honestly, my family was very good at telling some fibs that I really believed. And so I don't know if I should be worried or not, but um, so yeah, and it was, it was wonderful. I, it was our normal staff meeting Friday anyway, so I didn't really think anything of it. And then like Jeremy said, to come in on a meeting and what meant the most was that there were former students, there were former teachers, there were, you know, all different people that I got to see, you know, from Texas and all over the, you know, the country and things like that. That's what even made it more special. And what's been great about it is being able to connect with all the different people that sometimes you do day to day um, lose touch with of former students and things like that. And that's what's been the best about this is that, and thank you again to MAPSA. And quite honestly, it's a tribute to all of the nominees um, that have been nominated and we're honored with this as well because there are so many superb, I would watch every one of the videos for administrator and the teachers and I'd be like, oh, I wish I would have said that. So quite honestly, all of them were super inspirational. And after watching um, all the videos and hearing everyone's testimonies and things like that, I think, wow, Michigan is a really lucky place to have such great educators um, within the state of Michigan because truthfully even amongst everything that's been going on the COVID the passion is still there um, even after being in the field for 28 years you know I'm still hoping that you know for the next how many ever years that will continue and it's superbly important so but it is even more special that Jeremy and I did get to share this year I kind of said maybe it's fate um, I got to celebrate and being on his parade and things like that so it's, it was really touching um, just, and I think that's part of being at a charter school that we're so lucky with. Um, sometimes what happens is when they leave kindergarten or whatever, they head to middle school, we don't get those connections anymore. But now because, you know, our, our, at our school, we're kindergarten through eighth grade. And once you're a Malero, you're always a Malero kid. And so, um, whether it be tuck in your shirt or, um, come give me a hug, um, it didn't matter. But, um, and that's, what's really great about that is we get to build those relationships and we get to maintain those relationships well beyond you know people now unfortunately for me are getting married and having children so <laughs> well and I heard you mention this briefly but did I see that you both had some some car parades come past your your homes that day to celebrate as well yes we did so uh, yes, that was very nice did. as well so oh that's great 
That's awesome. it was it was great of uh, Mapsa to continue on that path that they had started. Um, I know there was a little bit of hesitation about how best to do it, and um, it it was nice to be able to be part of the experience, recognizing those fantastic educators, and you know seeing that that celebration amidst this. I mean, there hasn't been a lot of really great news, so. Right. Um, it was it was fun to be part of that for sure. Yeah, and something that reminds me of too is certainly as MAPSA has gone above and beyond in these challenging times to make sure everybody's celebrated. Um, certainly, all the teachers, educators, and school leaders have gone above and beyond as well. So um, appreciative of everyone in the education and charter school movement um, that continue to to serve their students um, and go above and beyond during these times for sure. So um, I, I'm reminded as I'm sitting here having this conversation with Jennifer Malero, kindergarten teacher at Holly and teacher of the year and Jeremy Brown, school leader at Woodland Park and school leader of the year that collectively you guys have nearly 50 years of experience, uh, which is amazing. And, and we appreciate uh, all that you've done to get back. What's your favorite thing about working in a school? The, the feel of family, whether it be with fellow staff members and their children. Um, I'm very honored that both of my children went through Holly Academy kindergarten through eighth grade. And I knew that um, my children were being looked after, um, whether they were in my classroom or not in my classroom. And the same could be said for all students. Um, I think that is very unique, the connections, the relationships, the other thing that I love is I'm allowed to be able to be in my classroom and teach according to my um, teaching style. Um, it might change year to year depending on students and um, things that we're trying to accomplish, but yet I get to remain true to myself. I'm also able to be very creative and being able to uh, form lessons that are able to touch well beyond just to Holly Academy, just beyond, you know, even the state of Michigan. Um, I've done some work um, in Guatemala with some orphans and things like that that I've been very fortunate to be connected with. And so I've been able to bring all that back into our classroom. And so we have been able to, to be more global citizens. And I think overall that we've been able to even realize that even when you're five and six years old, you can make an impact. So rather than them throwing their piece of paper on the ground, you know, they recycle it for their polar bears and things like that. So um, I just feel like over all these years, I've had such a deep connection. And even if like teachers leave or children leave, we still maintain those relationships. And I think that's very a very unique situation. Yeah, I, I agree with that, Jen. I think there's a tremendous amount of power to be able to adjust what you need to do. Um, at Woodland Park Academy, we refer to that as our agility and responsiveness. So um and, and I, I have a, such a deep appreciation from my professional ability to be responsive. I never feel like there's a situation that a child presents us with that we are ill-prepared to handle. Because as long as we are clearly stating what the objective is and we are following policy, we can still be very agile and adjust as we need to. So um, I had a lot of conversations with many school leaders, uh, be it traditional school leaders, traditional school district leaders, um, 
manage public school academies, self-manage public school academies early in this situation that we're currently experiencing. And they would all say to me, Jeremy, how in the world did you accomplish what you accomplished by March 17th? And I would say to them, I have an incredible group of people that I work with that with clear objective, they, they can shift and move. There is no other institution that is capable of adjusting as quickly as a self-managed public school academy because we, we, we impact where we go very quickly. So agility and responsiveness is a tremendous thing that I appreciate about uh, being a charter school uh, employee. I'm 19 years in only self-managed Central Michigan University authorized public school academies and uh, wouldn't, wouldn't change that experience for anything. Um, another thing that I really like about being a charter school employee is people have to make a choice to come to you every single day. And what we try to do is we work really hard to make sure that that choice is easy, that, that there is no other choice. Like this is just where we go to school because that's our school family. So, um, and, and we have that opportunity. So um, agility and responsiveness and uh, being the choice is a, is a big deal for us. Well, that's, that's pretty powerful. And um, I think I heard both of you guys talk about family and, um, you know, the, the feeling that, that you got from, you know, uh, working with the kids and, and the families there at the school. But the other thing I heard you both say was some level of flexibility and agility. And obviously this year has been different than any other year that we've experienced. And so kind of wondering from your perspective, what have you learned from navigating um, in this new environment of COVID-19? I've learned that you can teach an old dog new tricks. <laughs> I've had to be very flexible and I've had to learn a lot. Um, I used to, a long time ago, uh, you know, I used the old ditto machine and I used to handwrite my notes. And um, when we used to have professional development on new computer pro uh, programs, Mr. Brown would have to sit next to me and he'd have to be my rescuer. But um, more than that, and I probably am one of the few people are going to say that, part of me has really enjoyed this this predicament that we've been in because more than ever I have been able to be a part of the children and the family's lives that I might not have ever before been. Um, one of my students um, has a donkey and a horse and one of our Zoom meetings she took the screen off of her bedroom window and in came the animals to greet us. Um, you know you get to know the when the dog is gonna bark uh, or when you hear something the dog's gonna bark and you have to wait a second um, different things like that. I got a, a, and one of the things I love is that we get to build relationships with siblings as well as the parents. And so that was even more, they would show us different things or we got to view their rooms and things like that. So, and quite honestly, they got to be a part of my home. So, um, not always do I invite everybody into my home on my classes, um, but this time that they were able to see a glimpse of where I live and my family and things like that. So it was even a deeper connection. Um, the other thing too is it really took 
if we hadn't built those relationships in the beginning, I don't believe that the parents would have made the effort to get on that Zoom call, that every Sunday they would get the information from me, what we are doing for the week. I don't think that they would have kept my children moving forward um, at home. It would have been very easy not to follow through. So I believe because we have such wonderful parents at Holly Academy and at other schools that make that choice, um, they were the ones that were helping to drive the forward that while I understand that we're you know looking at that next year might be a little different academically as far as it goes many of my students continue to progress um, by thanks to the parents and thanks to our partnership and I guess thanks to communication that we've been able to have you know through modern technology that uh, that brings up a, a really awesome thing that I've also learned through this experience that we had to rely on the connections like Jen said you know, if we hadn't worked so hard to develop those relationships with families, it would have made it really easy to disconnect. Um, but because of the relationships, we were able to um, all collectively work a little bit harder to make sure that that connection was maintained. Um, as a building leader, I've learned that every scenario has to have a clear objective. What, is, what exactly are we trying to accomplish? That wasn't necessarily isolated to this situation, although it was imperative that we have a clear objective. We had to communicate very clearly with everybody, students, staff, um, parents, support staff, everybody that was involved. When we started to shift, we had to make sure that we were communicating frequently and that our communication was was clear. I also, um, it confirmed for me what an amazing team I have, but how important it is to cultivate their well-being. Um, adults can get burnout very easily, um, especially in a situation where it's curveball after curveball after curveball and um, we're building an airplane while we're flying it. That, that was the, the conversation that we had quite often. And if I wasn't very intentional with other building leadership to say, okay, we, we need to take time to um, take care of one another. We need to reach out to other adults. Um, I mentioned early on in this conversation, connecting with people, getting out of a classroom and walking the hallways. You had to be very intentional about how you did that during the shutdown. It required phone calls, it required text messages, it required, you know, individualized Zoom conversations where you could check in on people and make sure that they were doing okay. Self-care became uh, a, a pretty good sized topic for us because we needed to make sure that the adults that were working so hard were also taking care of themselves. Um, and then, you know, trying to in the process of that self-care, dispel some of their fears. A lot of people in education right now have a ton of fear about budgets and about next year and about things that are happening. And um, you have to communicate clearly with one another. You have to make sure that you're taking care of yourself so that you, your mind is in a good position to process that stress and that anxiety. Um, but that's, that's, there's been a lot of opportunities to learn new things and uh, it's been very interesting. I'm a, I'm a baseball and softball 
guy. Uh, I used to coach both of them. And I used the metaphor of curveballs or the nastiest pitch we've ever seen. This shutdown was the filthiest curveball that's ever been thrown. And our people in education just sort of took it and ran with it. And then found out that there was a possibility of decreased funding. And they still ran with it and still continued to build the airplane while flying it and, and make kids brains stronger through the connections that they had developed with the, the heart of, of each and every child. So um, it's good, good stuff that we've learned. Um, I hope that we don't have to keep learning new stuff about this, but it looks like that's sort of our lot for a little while. Well, we're inspired by, by the tremendous work that you're doing, certainly as you navigate these uncertain times as well. Um, inspiring to hear about what you've learned from it and certainly um, what you'll take into the future of what the future holds for education as we as we move through this pandemic and in our new normal. Um, so we appreciate that. Um, we hope that our listeners can hear um, those inspirational messages too and, and really take those forward. Um, as we conclude our, our conversation today, um, I know we've, we've touched on this a little bit, but of what motivated you to get into education, but if you could both share with us quickly, too, of um, a teacher that had the most impact on you in your life when you were in school, um, we would love to hear a little bit more about that. I guess I'm going to cheat a little bit because you said one, but teachers don't always listen. Um, I really think that probably my parents, um, my mom being... Um, starting a Young Fives program and teaching a Michigan um, school readiness um, preschool and kindergarten for so many years. She really was inspirational because she still will see students or um, even though they've you know grown and they have children of their own or grandchildren, things like that, um, they still remember her. And I remember her kindness and her compassion that she had with her students and the love. Um, my father, on the other hand, was a high school teacher. And so he was very structured and he was kind of more like me. Um, he was, and I don't want to use the word strict in a bad way, but he was very, had high expectations, but he was very well respected and loved. Um, and so I think that having those two as examples really gave me a great foundation of the kind of teacher that I wanted to be, and I hope to continue to be. So um, I really am grateful to both of my parents that um, I was able to build that foundation and to maintain that foundation and hopefully still making them proud. So for, for me, my, the educator that inspired me um, in my experience in K-12 education was my fifth grade teacher, Mr. Salberg. Uh, at Salem Elementary um, in the town that I grew up in. And the reason that he inspired me was he was, number one, the first male teacher that I had had. Um, and that was intriguing to me. Uh, I, hadn't, I hadn't thought of that concept previously. Um, and as a young man who struggled in school, I needed a connection, as I referenced earlier. Um, but he took the time to ask questions. He took the time to um, try to understand why school was such a struggle for me and um, try to articulate his position on why school was great. And um, his passion was the Civil War. And as a, as a fifth grade boy, I couldn't have cared less about the Civil War. But he was passionate about it. And that passion and his interest in me 
becoming successful at school caused me to be interested in the Civil War, something that prior to fifth grade and prior to Mr. Salberg, I didn't have any interest in. Um, but there was so much power in that moment where I started to learn about something that, uh, that, that he was passionate about as a result of the connection that we had had. And I'm not even sure I realized it at the time, but looking back on it, there's, there's so much to be said for, I was willing to learn something that I wasn't interested in for a human being that I cared about. And now I strive to be that human being that other people care about and ultimately learn things as a result of it. So, um, yeah, for me, it was Mr. Salberg, fifth grade, Salem Elementary. Well, it's so great to hear, especially if you said that you then strive to be that for future generations and what a legacy that leaves for, for all the educators um, to really have that influence going forward into the future. So we appreciate it. Um, like I said before, you inspire us. Um, you'll continue to inspire your students and your families. Um, and we, we look forward to continuing to partner with you um, and want to congratulate you again, um, the Michigan Charter School Teacher of the Year, Jen Malero, and the Michigan Charter School Administrator of the Year, Jeremy Brown. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Well, we certainly appreciate our guest, Jennifer Malero, um, Michigan Charter School Teacher of the Year Award winner from Holly Academy, as well as Jeremy Brown, um, Michigan Charter School Administrator of the Year and the school leader at Woodland Park Academy. Really appreciate them joining us. I hope everyone was inspired as we were um, to hear their stories and their messages, um, not only about the power that, um, that teachers have to inspire their students, um, but certainly the, the flexibility um, and the things that they enjoy about working in charter public schools, especially during this challenging and uncertain time that we're navigating. So really appreciate them joining us and, and glad that they were able to share those messages with everybody today. Yeah, and, and thank you, Janelle. And we wanna thank all of our school leaders and our nearly 2000 teachers in our CMU partner schools for everything they do, uh, all the hard work they put in and, uh, the passion by which they carry out their responsibilities. Uh, we know it's difficult work and we appreciate all you do. Um, it has been an unprecedented year and it was amazing to see everybody go above and beyond and want to take a minute to thank my colleague, Janelle Brzezinski, who definitely goes above and beyond and prepares all of these podcasts. So thank you, Janelle. I want to thank Joe. Uh, Joe, thank you for putting all this together for us. Um, it was an unprecedented year and um, you know, the other thing that that has impacted is our annual conference. And so just want to make sure that all of our schools know that unfortunately we have canceled our annual conference for uh, 2020. Uh, we were going to be celebrating our 25th anniversary. And while we're still celebrating um, at heart, uh, we will not be able to get together in person and uh, celebrate together uh, through our annual conference or, or, or with the 25th anniversary celebration. 
Well, and, and certainly as that's disappointing, we look forward to continuing to bring professional development to our partners um, in different modes as far as um, looking at virtual things as we, as we move into the fall. So more on that soon. Um, and as um, we wrap up the school year, we're also wrapping up. This is our first season of the Charter Central podcast. So we appreciate everybody, um, the great feedback that we've got. Um, this year for our first season, um, but this will be our last episode of the first season. So we will take a short break over the summer, um, but we will be back in the fall for our next season, um, bringing more important topics and guests to our partner schools as we um, continue to serve you and, and provide you with insights from stakeholders across the education um, world. So we hope you'll be able to be back with us. Um, certainly look for that next episode coming back in the fall. And we appreciate everybody listening today.